Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Business Exchange, How Business Works, brought to you by the American Business Council Nigeria, the voice of American business in Nigeria. Now this is a special edition because we are not going to be talking about um, the business sectors, but we're going to be talking about something that, that, that's been in the mind and still in the mind of a lot of Nigerian Nigerians, and that is um, the Nigerian um, election, but a very different slant to what you may have in your mind. Uh, we are looking at how um, civil organizations and technology um, have impacted or the role they are playing in um, our 2023 election. So um, my name is Margaret Olele, and I'm your host for the show. So like I said, today's episode will be discussing about civil society organizations and um, technology in the 2023 election. Um, we have with us today um, two real, really great special guests. We have uh, Dr. Toby Oluwatola. He is the executive director of the Center for Journalism, Innovation and Development, CJID. And he also um, is on the board chair of uh, Madiba Foundation for Good Governance. And if I, ca I can go on and on, but I'm sure that, um, you know, by the time he starts sharing his insights, you'd know why um, this is. And then also we have with us today, um, we have uh, Idayat Hassan. Uh, so uh, Idayat, uh, I, interesting, I, I, I met um, both of them when we were having, uh, we had an event with the uh, political uh, represent, uh, representatives of the of three of the three political parties, um, and we uh, we shared a lot of insights, you know, about about you know uh, the election. Uh, so Idiot is a senior associate uh, for Center um, for Strategic uh, and International Studies (CSIS) and the director of Center for Democracy and Development (CDD). And I'm sure a lot of us will have seen her uh, on various channels, you know, sharing her insights. But anyways, it's great to have both of you on the on, on our podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much, Margaret. Yeah, thank you. So, I mean, it's like I said, um, and really before we go to that, it, it's good to note that, you know, civil society groups are traditionally known as great change agents and drivers of societal um, development in democratic countries and you know these organizations are very critical providing you know necessary um, accountability making governments um, you know particularly and and, and and individual stakeholders accountable and by representing and advocating for citizens and also helping build the capacity of citizens to participate in governance and you know public uh, administration and the role of civil society and technology in to, in nigeria's 2023 election has been and will continue to be instrumental to the success of our democratic process and we have also noticed that technology has has allowed for easier access to information campaigns and debates being held by these political parties prior to their casting um to uh, the citizens casting their vote and um, they have also helped to provide unbiased uh, reports, you know, concerning the electoral environment across different states. We know a lot of other things that um, 
that's we we're seeing you know with the way they have utilized technology uh, we know that some of the um, groups have open situational rooms for this general election and um we we also are aware that you know uh, this is one election too that has been um you know touted as being so technology driven which is you know the use of the 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 beavers you know which had been introduced to ensure that you know um we ensure issues that would um, speak against transparency and also to ensure that you know um, there's a lot more acceptability in terms of the outcomes of the of the results. So I, I I don't want to dwell in on 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 the on the details of this, but I just um, want to say that this is one one election that and obviously the one we're going to be having. Um, coming, you know, so next week, um, that that speaks to the fact that uh, Nigeria would move or is is moving in the direction of the world in terms of leveraging technology to achieve uh, outcomes. So, but I, I I'll go right into um, getting the perspective of our of our guests on the show, and I would I will start off with Didier. Um, can you just kind of give me like a summary of how civil society organizations um, play, you know, pivotal roles um, for regulatory reforms, especially during the unfolding of the 2023 elections? Can you just, you know, give me some um, insights into that or let the audience know? Yeah, the in Nigeria, especially as it relates to the elections, the the civil society have played a very important role in, in increasing the integrity of the electoral sector. And one way they have actually done that is one is in watchdogging INEC, like they seem to be the most watchdogged agency in the whole of Nigeria, <laughs> and in that pushing for reforms. So in the since the 2010 electoral act, which was consistently uh, reviewed more than five, six times, Immediately after the 2019 election, civil society started pushing for a new electoral heart, the body of law that will actually regulate elections. And people did this in different ways. Some were on the streets fighting, protesting, some were in the room looking and learning from the lessons from previous elections. What were the challenges? What were the loopholes? What are the provisions that can actually be infused into this body of law that can actually improve the credibility of elections. And I think that this is what many civil society organizations did, both the technical expertise ranging from our watchdog rules of election as a process and of the activities of the election body and the political actors, and pushing that those reforms were actually passed, uh, passed itself. So we use our research expertise, our technicalists, our advocacy front, even the one when it comes in terms of building social movements, some people also did that. And altogether, we got a new body of law, which we had to distill to citizens in our little way for them to understand. So the big, the big win is actually having the electoral at 2022, which are revolutionized the way elections is conducted in Nigeria. So one thing is to have the law, another one is actually to see the law in action. But I think I want to pride uh, civil society 
society for helping to midwife this new legislation from their own experiences working in elections in the country. Thanks a lot. I'm so happy to hear that, you know, people, you know, different groups and different um, civil uh, civil society groups were doing different things because sometimes, um, especially from the outside, you, you, you get the feel that there are lots of overlaps. So, so many people doing one thing and, and you know, um, at the end of the day, you're, you're not um, they're not maximizing uh, the, um, the the strength they have. So, being knowing full well that different groups were were doing different things, and uh, at the end of the day, the outcome, which is the the passing of the electoral um, law, um, you know, is is is, is really um, great to know that you know this is the way it worked out. So, um, I, I would uh, come back to you on 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 that and you know the workings of. Um, the civil society groups, but I would like to bring in Toby quickly um, to give us a sense of how technology has played a vital role in amplifying uh, the democratic reforms and help to kind of ensure the transparency of, of campaigns by all um, parties involved. You know, um, I'm saying this because, you know, as an organization ourselves, um, the American Business Council, uh, we do have a lot of um, US companies that are in the space of technology and you know it is heartwarming to know that you know in 2023 we're saying you know election that is actually technology driven uh, from all ends uh, whether it's the from the point of the civil society groups to the government to even the, the parties themselves and to um you know citizens but tell me to be what um i mean your, your perspective on this thank you very much Margaret, and um, it's a pleasure and an honor to be in the same room um, with Idayat, um, one of the leading voices, uh, leaders of the Nigeria Civil Society. And um, I, I'm particularly just speaking to your first question. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of some of the citizen education um, um, jingles and, and, and short um, animated videos that CDD did throughout this election process. Um, anytime you turn on the TV, you see um, an, an animated cartoon where they're educating you on the um, on, on, on vote buying. They're educating you on how um, uh, Beavis works and, and all those types of things that are, that where um, you know you people will people don't don't necessarily pay attention to, but that's how people got educated to the point where expectations of transparency with this election was sky high. And um, and I think the biggest challenge with this election was that INEC overpromised and underdelivered. So we'll um, get to that. <laughs> technology and technology was the reason why um, you know we 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 did that and the way in which civil society um, had communicated you know how technology will play a role um, you know, really helped raise expectations. And that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. So let's not um, say that that's a bad thing. So, but just going to your specific question, I think technology played a big role um, throughout this electoral process, um, starting from uh, just the way in which uh, we um, civil society leveraged a lot of technology to get tons and tons of young people registered. Um, so we and how INEC and civil society use technology um, to have people go verify their registration 
for for elections um ha to have people verify their registration and and then up until election day um lots of people were getting um updates and and uh, and on, on on social media on twitter on instagram um and whatnot on the election and then there is the technology itself that um, was um, the beavers technology that was intended to um, allow some more transparency um, of the vote but even now post election where what has happened has happened and we'll get to that in a minute um, civil society organizations are coming together again to leverage technology to see if we can collect as much evidence as possible um, on behalf of um, on behalf of um, the citizens, help citizens collect as much evidence as possible, um, if for no other reason than to see how we can um, support the um, the the support INEC and support um, the credibility of or, or enhance um, the perceived credibility of the electoral process. So technology certainly plays a big role. I'll stop it. Yeah, so so um, I, I would um, we'll get back to the the conversations or some of the um, <laughs> innuendos I I got from your um, from some of the thoughts you shared, uh, but but I I would ask that um, in what ways do you think that you know technical companies um, like you know, maybe like some U.S. tech companies for instance can um, partner with. Uh, uh, with civil organizations in, in the future, you know, aside from some of the things you mentioned, and even some of the things um, I, I heard things I, I heard things about, um, you know, having to store data as an example. Um, so, in, in what ways do you think that you know the tech companies can partner to to, to even make our elections more pristine, more um, in terms of in terms of having the kinds of integrity that we are looking we're looking out for? So, absolutely. I think um, tech companies can can play a significant role. I think that on the one hand, um, tech companies can help a lot with tackling disinformation and misinformation, um, because a lot of what is um, a lot of what is fueling um, voter um, unrest apathy. and voter and voter apathy is also is just people you know feeling like you know certain things are true that are not true. So tech companies can play a role there. Tech companies can also play a role in some of the data gathering that we're doing. Um, we're going to need lots and lots of storage space, cloud storage space, um, to um, to collate to help to collate evidence of what um, for citizens to crowdsource um, some of the data. Um, EC3, EC, um, it's it's a forms across polling units ar around the country. I know that it's a tall order to ask. Um, that tech companies help INEC because you know we we have um, INEC has to use um, government um, government secure um, um, servers, but at mm -hmm. least when citizens um, come together and say we want to crowdsource information um, to provide some sort of a parallel uh, parallel results or parallel tabulation to what um, INEC is doing to in in order to increase. Um, the sense um, that citizens have, or have that the elections are credible, then we can we we could really use collaborations with technology companies. Um, so both on the side of providing um, um, hardware or a hardware assets, software assets, but also skills, 
um, that we 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 need that civil society needs to to really put this um, this facts together. Okay, thank you. I'll go to the um and uh, kind of also running from the thread of some of the comments um, at the beginning um, that you shared. Um, based on uh, what you, you you have seen and observations, um, would you say that um, first of all, uh, the, the technology played a good role in making showing voters uh, masses that in that you know that they are there, they, they have the collected votes counted one. And secondly, uh, that is, if it went wrong, what did Nigeria, how did Nigeria get it wrong or where did Nigeria get it wrong with the technical equipment used during the 2023 election if they got it wrong? So, yeah. Thank you very much, Margaret. I think it's important to put that technology has been extremely useful to increasing the credibility of the elections. And in fact, the responses of civil society group Previously in elections, from what I was, I, I knew then, people never observed elections and they could report in real time. So it means if there was this presidential elections, we have to wait till like three days before the observers will return their written, um, written, what is it called? Um, week, um, checklist. It will take days for them to return the checklist back to the to the uh, to the organization deploying them, but now with technology, like real time, you get the information. Real time, you are able to analyze, do your analysis, and call up what you think are the challenges in these elections. On the one hand, then it also helped us in terms of civic education. It has actually made it actually cheaper compared to just former reliance on the traditional media as well while it's provided an opportunity to crowdsource and even to fact check with all these ai's artificial intelligence unlike before where we cannot even check the audio and know who is actually speaking we can do that now but we need more in terms of this support for previous elections when it now comes to the elections itself what we have actually learned is that technology is not a silver bullet in terms of handling challenges, especially for developing countries. For long, there we the electoral body overpromised and underdelivered, like Toby had actually earlier said. In fact, it seems I have a colleague using the same word with me. They promised everyone on hurt and they believe that with technology you can actually infuse integrity into a system. What we have learned is that technology is not enough to infuse integrity. The human factor also comes in as well. Then I also feel that the technical expertise forget all what the challenges might actually have been, which they've not officially told us. But one thing I've also learned is the issue of capacity as extremely important when it comes to utilizing technology. How many engineers do we have? Are we able to timely expand the capacity of this technology? How much did we trial the technology? If you take the bimodal voter accreditation system, for instance, everywhere INEC trialed it, then it was ratio one to 404. So for every one trial, one, every one site, 404 orders were never trialed itself. It, wasn't, it, it, didn't, it didn't just happen. So I think we got it wrong in terms of doing this whole scale. 
we got it wrong in terms of maybe even the ideals of how technology is utilized in elections. Where is the code? Where is the code that tells us what happens? What, how, to, how to hold account? How to troubleshoot? The accountability framework, we never had that as a country and as an electoral management body. While we never even had the physical infrastructure before we then start talking about the human element that possibly interfered with this technology. But I think on a final note, we must also say that with the numbers of votes that we have seen in these elections, uh, for the first time beyond the reduced turnout, we have not seen the humongous numbers of votes where you will find one state producing one million, uh, <laughs> one million votes. Most of those states managed to turn out 500,000 votes in these elections, which tells us that somehow uh, technology worked, but it could actually have worked better, and it could have been like the silver bullet that it was actually touted it touted us if we had done things the right way. Okay, yeah, I hear you, and um, I want to seize this opportunity to bring um, Yemi of EIE, um, you know, who who um, just um, who just joined us. I mean, you, you, you talked about uh, just before I asked the question. So Idiot talked about the, um, you know, the the fact that some states did not have um, the, the 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 numbers that we had seen in previous years, and some people could claim that you know, that that also came from voter suppression. But I mean, that's another conversation that we would probably just leave out, um, you know, out out of this. But go straight to um, Yemi and 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 really ask um, that since we're going to be having another election, um, just some few as I would say, some few days away from um, from today, and um, based on what we saw at the presidential election, what role do you think that technology should would play um, or, uh, you know, to, to ensure that we avoid the kind of blunders that um, that we saw? Uh, that's assuming that, you know, we we, we believe that we, 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 we have uh, we saw some blunders or some blunders, uh, you know, happened. So what um, what are those uh, technological blunders that we would avoid uh, for the next election? and also for the future. Over to you, Yemi. While we're waiting for her to kind of uh, kind of sort things out, maybe Toby, you can take that uh, question. Sure. So so I think the first part um, of that, of my answer to that, I, was, I want to begin my answer by saying that um, the technology, just like Idad rightly said, works to some degree in the sense that the accreditation um, um, technology works at least 88% um, of the time if you're going by um, by um, Jäger's uh, observation report. And in the 12% of times that of places where the um, this accreditation technology did not work, um, there was 9% um, of the time where they fixed it and another 2% where they just replaced the beavers machine and it worked in the end. The problem was when you got to um, taking pictures of, of the EC, um, um, EC, EC, EC3A, um, I, I, keep, I keep forgetting that number, um, um, the results sheets. 
that was where the problem was, where you take the picture of that of that and then you have to upload it. And um, according to that report, 67% of the polling unit agents try of the polling unit of the coalition center, no, of the returning officers tried to upload the results in real time. But where, just to uh, to speak to the human element and the also um, the con this social the conditions of Nigeria, the, the infrastructure conditions of Nigeria, the elements that Idiot um, rightly alluded to, where we failed was that number one, I'm not sure we communicated clearly prior to elections that it's just a scan that we are uploading to um on the to the beaver smash to um to um the irev portal it's a scan of the result sheet that is being uploaded so a lot of people were expecting once election was over that we would start to see those results that were uploaded from the polling unit get automatically computed and then we would start seeing results you know moments after we've um we've left our polling units um so that was a clear case of overpromising. Another element, and, and I think INEC did raise this when the Electoral Act itself was being debated, that where it, it, the initial thing that the legislators had wanted or that certain people had wanted um, was that was that the, the transmission be 100% um, electronic. Uh, but INEC had argued that, see, we have a country where we have about 65% um, 65% or even certain elements, certain people within um, the legislature that we have about 65% um, internet coverage. Then there are places where you wouldn't have real-time internet to upload these results in real time. So we we'd better leave that part of the act rather flexible such that, you know, INEC can sort of um, make sure that they still use the manual process of collation, um, uh, moving the results results from the um, polling units to the um, to the uh, what what coalition centers and then to the local government coalition centers and then to the state level coalition centers and then all, all ultimately to the national coalition center um, to uh, before the fire while we're in some cases at the uh, local government coalition center setting results would have been announced and then for the presidential um, announcement at the national level so so that wasn't clearly communicated and a lot of people really expected a lot more and they're, they're by casting aspersions on the credibility of the election. But that said, um, more than 10, more than um, 24 hours after elections, not being able to still have um, have those results uploaded um, speaks to certain other, um, perhaps certain other human elements um, that um, were not technological did not have anything to do with um, data not being available in some rural areas. Um, it might also have to do with other types of interference. So I, I'd like to say that um, there are areas of improvement. I think a lot of it is communication. Uh, a lot of it is um, managing expectations. Um, and I look, I, I hope that INEC will do that uh, in the run up to uh, May 11. Okay, fantastic. March 11th, uh, I meant to say. March 11th, yes. So, um, so Yemi, if you can hear us and uh, you can um, share your, your insights, that would be really appreciated. Fantastic. Yeah, we can hear you. Excellent. Uh, 
Perfect. Okay. Excellent. Uh, sorry. Hello, everyone. Sorry about that. My name is Yemi. I'm the executive director of Enough is Enough Nigeria, aka EI Nigeria. And um, hmm, reflections, insights. I think the key one for me is that technology can never be a silver bullet, no matter how much it's touted. It's an enabler, it's a tool. And technology is only as useful as the hands that it's in. So if people want to use it for good, it tends to work. And when people don't want it to work and want to compromise it, then it will do exactly that. And I think that shows up really well in the difference in how the BVAS worked for accreditation and uh, versus uploading results. So there was clarity that there was not going to be manual accreditation. So you could only vote if you were accredited and BVAS was going to store that. Now, yes, it wasn't used in every polling unit and it'll be interesting if those results are eventually thrown out because that was a requirement by law. So. If we accredit 100 people, it then sort of became, okay, how do we share these votes regardless of how people voted? And I think that's where we then see problems. I'm super excited about the platform that CGID with EAE and a few others are putting together that literally puts what was uploaded onto the IREV platform side by side with pictures that citizens took themselves. And we plan to duplicate that for the March 11 election where where whereas INEC is doing its own uploads, citizens are also uploading their own versions pictures that they have taken to provide a very transparent process of what is happening. <clears throat> to Toby's point, I think communication was very critical. Yes, INEC overpromised and underdelivered, but in the underdelivery, it completely mismanaged communications. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if you call it mismanaged. It did not communicate. So there's, I mean, technology is technology. Things happen. Your system might have been hacked if that was really true. People might have tried to sabotage it. Um, you might be having challenges with your staff. Now, because at every point in time, it wasn't only INEC that was there. INEC was there. There were agents of political parties. There was, those, well, INEC, agents of political parties, the police, DSS. All of them were involved in this coalition process in, and even the media in one way or another. So the failings are not, in my opinion, not only INEC. INEC is to the degree that it was their, their staff or their ad hoc staff's job to upload the, the polling unit results. But at the time when you get to the coalition center, where you're then seeing pretty much quite significant scale of results being altered, what were others looking at at that point? It, at, for me, it's no longer just an INEC problem, but just a, a collusion on all, at all levels that we got to this point. Yes, maybe INEC to the degree that if people objected, and then INEC didn't, INEC officials, either the um, local government coalition officers or at the state level, didn't listen, then you can pack that with INEC possibly. Especially as well when he got to the National Coalition Center for the presidential election, the chairman just was not listening. I, my sense is that he had made up his mind that he was going to declare a result. And then because I, I suspect, and this is obviously my own suspicion, that he probably had gotten a sense of the scale of the problems that we had. And the point is, if you stop the coalition at that time, we would probably today still be counting results because to unravel the kind of mess that has happened. I haven't been on the INEC portal in a bit, so I don't know if they've now completed all their polling unit result sheets. But the last time I was on, probably yesterday or two days ago, they were at 150,000. So yes, technology is a great uh, tool. INEC overpromised on the delivered. INEC did not communicate to manage that process. And still till today, it has not done that. And I think for me, that's also part of the, the 
value chain that that is kind of problematic in in what has happened. Martin, sorry. So, sorry, I, okay, just finish because I, I there was something that um, I, I wanted to share before you, um, but just uh, when, when you're done uh, because yeah. about the issue around communication. Yeah. Well, I saw a tweet just now that they said um, staff compromise will not be allowed to participate in the March 11th election. What that means, I don't know. <laughs> what, uh, what does compromise mean? Or I don't know what what they're defining. But just lastly, I, and I, and for the to the degree that they gave a lot of Nigerians hope in what the process would represent, in how the process would be managed, INEC has um, INEC failed in that regard. So while I say yes, it's a community of collusion. But they are the election management body, the buck stops at their table. And in a sense, they were the one that made the promise. So even if others were undermining what you were trying to do for good, then it's your job or becomes even more a, a greater prerogative on your end to navigate Nigerians through the process. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I mean, you know, what I wanted to say, um, or, you know, um, <laughs> technically jumping into your mouth at that point, um, what was, um, on one of the, you know, one of these, my own platform, uh, an alumni platform. So, you know, there are all these arguments are everywhere, right? And uh, someone said, look, you know, INEC never said they were going to upload um, real time as in, you know, as people are voting, they are, you know, put, 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 putting it there. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not sure. Is there any, any media story anything that would show that this was exactly what they said because i i do recall that toby mentioned uh, you know something like like that you know and then he, he shared with me a vanguard um they shared with me a vanguard article of the idec chairman saying you know we're not able to upload as people are voting but we're going to upload once i think the voting is done per unit you know so um, again, that's kind of uh, underscores the issue around communication that we have all been talking about. They need to have shared the right information so that people know, and then also to manage expectations and, and all. So we we have unfortunately like six minutes to end this, and uh, you know there's there's still quite a lot I would like to ask. Uh, but I would I would just say again, um, having and first of all to thank you know, the, 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 the civil um, society um, groups uh, that have been, you know, you are, you are the watchdog, you are now the, um, you know, the, the, the second layer of, uh, in fact, the real layer of, um, of, 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 of trappings of integrity that we are looking out for. And so we thank you because that way citizens are assured that, yes, there are people that are watching their backs, right? Um, so, but just to reiterate, um, the question I'd asked before. Now we, we, we're having um, an election coming up 11th of March. Already I hear that you're already collating um, all, the, all the data you have, like, you know, just to show what you have. And then also that there's a plan, um, Yemi, that you're going to do, that in office, in office is going to be working with another team to do uh, a similar audit for uh, the um, the, the gubernatorial election that's coming up uh, March the 11th. Uh, what are the other things that we can do um, to one um, let because again there's a lot that we need to do around enlightenment. You know, let people, especially first-time voters, you know that the whole conversation around democracy is 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 not a sprint. 
it's a long, long race, right? And the, the fact that we didn't get it right 100% is not the reason why they should kind of, you know, throw their arms up in the air and say, oh, to your tent, so Israel, I'm not voting again. You know, so that's how we're able to kind of encourage people to come out, how we're able to ensure that, you know, the different arms of government meet exactly what they um have committed to do and in, in some way just i mean we don't no, there's no perfect system but at least keep keeping a lot of people assured that yes in, in fact that their votes really um you know uh, count or would, would count exactly um so i would um start with you yemi then we'll go to idiot and then we'll close with toby thank you i think a big part of it is just messaging um yes it's a long haul yes democracy is a process but also just amplifying one reiterating messaging by the stakeholders. But what is the police saying? They haven't really said anything. The army hasn't said anything. And engaging them to basically encourage people to come out that they'll protect them in a sense and that it's fair. But I think also on the citizens' part, amplifying what they have done so far, that if it wasn't for citizens who took pictures of their polling unit results, citizens who are crowdsourcing and building platforms where people can upload what they saw, upload videos, upload sheets, then we wouldn't have a challenge. Like everybody would just roll over and play dead. And I think amplifying that to show that this is the roles that citizens play in a democracy, you fight for it. Um, there's, there's a quote that's escaping me at the moment around um, diligence, but I'm sure maybe Toby or Idaiyat will know. It'll come to me, I'll type it, maybe I'll type it in the chat. But anyway, but the importance of fighting and the importance that, look, you, a democracy is built over time and it's built by citizens engaging, participating and defending what they know to be true. And if we're able to amplify that and reflect that back on citizens, that we wouldn't even be having a conversation around the unfairness of it if citizens were, in, were not engaged and encourage them to do a lot more. Okay, great. Yeah, all right. Idiot. Yes. So I, I agree with Yami, and we have to keep reiterating that democracy is not a given. It has to be nurtured. And the recipe for uh, a flailing democracy is actually much more democracy. So citizens must understand must come out and vote. We shouldn't have a, it should actually be a renewed, a renewed convergence, a renewed uh, this excitement and ensuring that we hold people to account to come next week, not to have our morale dampened and actually vote on in the March 11th elections. Then the second and important part, aside from communication, we will have to be accountability. As a country on consistent basis, we have never built so much accountability in the system. What has happened? Who is going to be held to account from people in INEC to the security agencies who looked by as voters were intimidated or suppressed during the uh, February 25th election? As well as INEC actually owns Nigerian and Nigerians' explanation. This cannot again be actually driven under the carpet if we want to continue building hope in institution. And when hope deserts the people, that is when democracy is actually in problem. It's not about optimism. Citizens, we need hope for democracy to actually be nurtured in itself. Thank you. Thank, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Idiot. Toby? I, I just want to stress on the point of accountability. If you spend close to 100 billion naira buying or investing in technology equipment and it feels so um, so spectacularly, um, the person who sold you the equipment needs to be held accountable to some degree, um, uh, as well as other people along the chain. So, uh, so I think accountability 
ability, like Hidayat said, is going to be critical. But I also think that as we build our democracy, we should also take the lessons of this process. And I'm sure that civil society, once this entire thing is over, will regroup again and start to see um, what were the areas of the Electoral Act um, of 2022 that were somewhat ambiguous that we can um, perhaps reform. What I also think is a great thing is that the opposition parties actually go to court. And because the benefit of, of opposition parties going to court is not just in whether or not the results will be reversed, but that we need, this is a new act, we need judicial interpretation of various aspects of the act, um, because there's a lot of the part, uh, aspects of the act and the guidelines that are subject to um, all sorts of um, interpretation. So judicial interpretation is part of how we then continue to deepen and, and expand our democracy. Finally, on the role of citizens, I'm just going to go straight to the point. Um, um, Yemi talked about a portal that has been built for collating results. Um, if you're out there, you voted um, and you took a picture of your polling unit results, please go and upload it to electionwatchng.com. Electionwatchng.com is the website. Just go upload it there. And on Saturday, on Saturday the March 11th, um, civil society organizations are coming together with in situation rooms. We're going to be looking, um, using this portal, this same portal. Hopefully, we're, we're hoping that we're asking that um, citizens go upload the pictures of their eye of the um, EC8 um, EC8 forms to this portal. The results sheets that you take pictures of, upload it to the portal. We'll, on the back end, we'll sort out um, we'll sort sort out which ones belong to what polling units. But please give us that data so that we can provide a, a parallel accountability check for what INEC does on that day. And hopefully we get more credible elections because ultimately the most important thing in democracy is it's not just about whether or not who wins the election or who loses. It's about whether or not citizens feel like their votes counted and that they, they have agency in, the, in our democracy. And it's very important that we restore confidence to our electoral process. And I hope that we can achieve at least um, progress in that journey on March 11. Wow. Thank you. I just remember the quote, eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. Oh, ah, brilliant. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I mean, I really wish we could go on and on. Um, un unfortunately, we have we have come to the end of uh, this, this podcast. And I would like to thank um, Yemi, Toby and Idiot for making out time for today's episode. Um, we would amplify the, the link and the, so that people are able to have access and share as much information as possible. Um, would also would, would uh, reach out to as many private sector organizations as that we can who can help even, even if it's um, in providing um, the, the, the um, storage, the cloud storage that would help uh, with, the, with the kinds of data that you, you need. Um, fantastic. www.electionwatchng.com. So that is the link. We'll put that on all our platforms as well. 
uh, and and, and uh, luckily um, I'm, I'm, go I'm going in for uh, some communication experts on the election uh, piece in the next few minutes and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to share that as well. So um, thank you um, for making our time for today. I would like to uh, ask our followers, our viewers to follow us on the Business Exchange on SoundCloud and Apple and Podcasts, Spotify as well. And uh, using the social media of, you know, at AB uh, Council underscore for Twitter and Instagram and checking us out on the American Business Council LinkedIn. Anyways, uh, again, see you in the next episode. This is your host again, Margaret O'Leary, and thank you for listening.